uh, we, uh, we recite often when things are kind of haywire in our life, when we don't know what's going on, we don't understand why the things are going on. But Paul wrote to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's not by the things that we can see and comprehend in the natural realm, but we walk by faith, understanding that all things are ordered by God, and having faith that God is going to work all things, all things together for His good. To them, that's right, to them who are the called. Amen. To them who would diligently seek Him, to those who would continue to walk and follow after Him, everything that God has purposed for us. Praise God. Well, uh, as we look in into this man, Paul, and we see his, uh, he, how he addressed this topic of faith, he did so often. In many of his letters that he wrote, he, he uh, brought up this topic of faith. In fact, we see that word faith, um, that word faith come into the, the uh, New Testament, or it's, it's written in the New Testament, 244 times, and 174 of those are in the letters of Paul, in the writings of Paul. He talked about faith a lot. 60, uh, I'm sorry, it was, uh, I think, 40 uh, 40 times in the book of Romans, 40, 40 times in the book of Romans, he, uh, d- just that book alone, he talks about faith. He, he addresses faith often. If we, I know this book is, is a bit disputed as far as who the author is. Um, I think that there is, there's some credence to the fact that Paul was the one who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, that is one book that, um, it's, the authorship is not defined within the, the writing of the book, but if Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, he the chapter 11 of Hebrews is the faith chapter. That's the faith hall of fame. That's where we get the, the definition that we have for faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's where we see that it was Abraham that by faith he pleased God. We see how Moses by faith, how, how Noah by faith, and all these men of God, all these people, uh, individuals from the Old Testament, it was by faith that they pleased God. Amen. So he addresses faith often. In fact, I want to, um, I, I don't have this in your notes, so you might want to just write this down. That word faith, if we were to define that, the or the, um, the, uh, the Greek word for faith, since we're primarily in the, the New Testament here tonight, the, the Greek word for faith, this word uh, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. And that means persuasion. Again, that's P-I-S-T-I-S, faith. It means persuasion. It means moral conviction. It's, it's a belief. It's, it's, a, it's a very um, determined belief. It is constancy. That word faith, it means constancy. It's not wavering. It's, 
It's firm. It, it's persuaded. It, it, there is a, a firm belief. And, and we look at this word faith. And, and Paul, we look through his writings. If we were just to pull out a few scriptures, we, we have there 174 times he uses this word faith. But there are just a few scriptures, some of these faith scriptures that we see. If we want to run through these in, in some of his writings in the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, he says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And then in, in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he's talking about uh, those who are just. In order to be just, you have to be justified. He says, therefore, being justified by faith. Now, what does that mean to be justified? It means to be in God's eyes as one who is right. In God's eyes, you're, you're, you're in right standing with God. And so, the only way that you can be in right standing with God is if you are walking in faith or if you are holding on to faith. He says that being justified, how? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access. How do we have access to this one who saved us, Jesus Christ? It is by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans chapter 10. I said there's there's 40 different times that Paul addresses faith in the book of Romans. Here's just three of them. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We hear the word of God. And whether that is in, in prayer or it's through the book, amen, through scripture, we, we must hear the word of God. We must, and it, it shouldn't just be in Scripture. Now, the Word of God that you hear in prayer will always be backed by this Scripture. But we ought to hear the Word of God every day that we pray and let God speak to us and begin, amen, to, to move on us. So faith, it comes by hearing. You go into a situation or you're facing something. How do you, how do you face it? How do you have uh, how do you have the assurance to know that everything's going to be all right? It's because when you pray and God gives you the wisdom to come and, and to walk into that situation and you have faith because you heard God speak to you about what you're getting ready to face or what you are facing right now. Faith, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, we must listen. We must be uh, or we, we receive that faith to know the assurance, the, the conviction, the belief, and we can stay constant because we hear the Word of God. Galatians chapter 5. If we go to Galatians, uh, we see that faith is listed among the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We have faith there listed among those 
fruit of the Spirit, these things, these, uh, these qualities or these uh, aspects of, of if you are Spirit-filled, amen, this is what ought to be coming out. This is what ought to be present in our life, and one of those is faith. Also, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5. I'm kind of just doing a little overview here. We're going to connect all connect some of these scriptures, but just some, uh, some scriptures that Paul writes about faith. Here he says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, in you all. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is only one in whom we have faith. There is one faith. There is one persuasion. There is one belief. There is one thing, only really only one thing that is always constant. That is God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. We already mentioned faith as it was listed among the fruit of the Spirit. Here he's talking about the armor of God that we put on. And he lists here in Ephesians 6.16, 6, says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. It's by faith that we, can, that we are able to stand in the midst of the battles, in the midst of the spiritual battles that are going on. It's because of faith. The shield of faith is what protects us against the fiery darts of the wicked. As he comes up against us, trying to attack us, we remain persuaded and have the moral conviction and have the belief and the constancy that we know that God is with us and we are not going to be moved by any attack that the enemy would throw our way. It's faith. I have faith. It doesn't matter what I'm facing. It doesn't matter what the doctor report said. It doesn't matter what my bank account says. It doesn't matter what my what what happened in your in your marriage. It doesn't matter. None of this matters because we still have faith and know that God is that as long as my relationship with God is all right, then no attack of the enemy can pull me away from heaven. He cannot take away my salvation. I have faith. I know that God is on my side. Amen. It's the shield of faith. And my walk with God can remain constant throughout anything that I am facing. Paul, in his later years, writes to one of his closest friends, one of his uh, younger uh, companions who he had picked up in his missionary journeys, this man named Timothy, who then became a, a pastor there in, in the church in Ephesus, a leader there in the church of Ephesus. And he writes this letter to him and encouraging him and, and building him up in his, in his leadership of that church. And he says to him, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith. Impurity. One of the ways that we ought to, and we can all take this, no matter what our take this advice, no matter what our age is right now. He here is writing to a younger Timothy, but uh, this this is good advice for every believer that we should be an example in faith. That we should be an example when others look at us. 
there they would say, I can I, I see that person's faith and it inspires me. He's writing here to Timothy, he says, Hey, there may be people who they expect you because you're young. They expect you to be wishy-washy. They expect you to, to make mistakes and to fall, uh, fall down here and there. He says, you need to stand tall. You need to be the one who is walking. And they look to you and they say, look at that man's faith. Look at his faith. Look how constant he is. Amen. We ought to be an example of the believers in faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, if Hebrews uh, is one of these letters by Paul, he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. I want to look at this word faith, because as we go through some of these scriptures, there's Times where uh, we, I mean, we, when we talk about faith, it's, you know, we talk about have faith in God. We must have faith. You say, let's say you're praying for somebody. Uh, and we talk about, you know, the faith that's needed. Or you're praying for yourself to be healed. There's faith that's needed. But then we also talk about faith that is, uh, you know, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Or, or the, you know, this is, my, my faith is in God. My, um, my conviction. So, there's, there's really, there's two different dimensions of faith. Two different dimensions of faith. And um, even those could, could possibly be, uh, be dissected a, a, a little bit more. But if we look at these two different dimensions, both of them are fully reliant on God. Both of them are, are, are it's faith in God. So really, it, it's all about faith in God. But there's, when we talk about faith, it's, it's, it's one of two things, typically, that we're talking about. One is a covenantal or a relational type of faith. So, a covenantal or a relational type of faith is, is a, talking about the faithfulness to the covenant that we are in with God. That we would remain faithful to God, that our faith, this is this, is, this could be described as our saving faith, that we have faith in God. That this is talking about me and my relationship to God, that I, this is going to remain constant. God, you, I'm, I'm in covenant relationship with you. The same is true. God, he will remain faithful to us because we are in covenant relationship. And so there's, we can, we can be talking about faith and it's, it's, uh, uh talking about um, this this walk that we have with God, that we remain faithful in it, and that uh, there are things that may come our way that it's not going to dissuade us or it's not going to cause us to, to fall away, but rather we will remain faithful because we are in covenant relationship with God. And there is a second kind of faith that uh, we often... Uh, talk about, and this is probably where we put the majority of our focus when we are talking about faith, uh, as far as in our Pentecostal messages that we hear and that we preach, and that is the co- a cognitive faith. A cognitive faith is the cognitive belief, or the, the belief that we have that's in our minds from which our speech and our actions flow. This could be 
This can be described as, as healing faith or as, or as miracle working faith. The, the kind of faith that we're talking about, you know, when Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, then you can speak to the mountain, be thou removed, and it could be cast into the sea. That kind of faith. This is, both of these things are fully reliant on God. It's not faith in myself and in my ability to just speak something and for it to happen. It's the fact that I am in covenant relationship with God that I have faith to be able to speak these things out. But it's faith that's in my mind and faith in knowing that I can speak and, and, and actions will happen because God is able. There are, this is, it's, it's sort of a, a different dimension of faith. When we kind of speak of, of faith, it's not, or speak of that kind of faith, it's not, you know, just the, um, the salvation kind of faith of the covenant relationship that we're, that we're in, that kind of a faith. Um, and so I want to look at this man, Paul. We're, we're looking at Paul. And we see in his writings all of these things that, that he, he goes to this topic of faith so often. But how about his life? What does his life look like? Is he a man who, who lived what he wrote? Is he a man who, did, was he just writing these things but not living it? I, I don't believe that's the case. So I want to look, how does Paul put faith in practice? How do we see him being fueled? By faith. Well, first of all, we can look at this covenantal and relational type of faith. And really, I could spend a lot of time uh, pulling examples of this. But I'm just going to look at one little passage here that uh, covers a lot of different events that took place in his life. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. And here, in 2 Corinthians, he is defending his, his status as an apostle to the Corinthian church. They were questioning whether or not he was as authority, that he had as much authority as some of these other preachers who were coming through their church and cycling through there. And he's defending that. He, uh, he kind of, in this, in this passage, is saying it's uh, it's kind of silly that I have to do this but he kind of he, he begins to address some of these things that he's faced in his life let's begin here verse 23 it says are they ministers of Christ I speak as a fool in other words I shouldn't even have to go through all this stuff to tell you this so that you could be convinced that I'm sent from God but he says I am more in labors more abundant, I'm sorry, that's right, I have this in New Living Translation up here just because it makes it a little clearer. It says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I've faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times... I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. 
I have faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. He actually continues going on and addressing different things that he has faced throughout his time in his ministry. But you know what? He remained faithful to God. Through all of the trials and tribulations, he remained faithful and constant in his relationship with God. He, he said, this is, this is where we see 2 Corinthians 5, 7, where he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. He says, it's not by all of these things that are happening and the going wrong in my life. That's not what determines whether or not I am on the right side of this, this walk with God. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're, we're going through tests and trials and we, we begin to question God. Why am I going through this? Do you not love me? And why did I wake up this morning and my car wouldn't start and I had a flat tire? And a stone got kicked up from the, from the snow plow in front of me and it cracked my windshield on the way to work. And then I got there and... My co-worker has bad breath. Now, why are all these things happening to me? And sometimes we begin, we can have our faith begin to waver because our life is not as we think it should be. But God never promised that life would be easy when we come and into this relationship with him. When we come into this covenantal relationship, God, He did say that I am always here for you and that, that there will be blessings. But you know what? The blessings, they're coming on the other side of glory. The blessings, they are stored up for, for me. And, and there, are ta- there are things right now that I don't want to get the glory right now because I want to get it up there. I don't want to take all the credit and all the thing, you know, everything down here. I I want some some of the the things that are stored up for me in heaven, where moth and rust don't corrupt. Amen. Down here, the things that we could be blessed with, they're going to fade away in time. And so, we see that Paul endured throughout his ministry, where uh, you know the things that uh, he, he was enduring were both many, they were great, and yet he remained faithful. Throughout this, we could uh, we could look at this covenantal type of faith in Paul's life and and look at how he he uh, he talks about faith and and practiced his faith it was tied to the fact that he was uh, filled with the Spirit of God, that he was uh, baptized in the name of Jesus, and we see that that this saving faith and coming into the covenant is is part of this. Um, are part of the practice of, of Paul. In fact, in fact, I'll just I'll just mention there that got him in, into a lot of trouble. The, not just Paul, but the the New Testament preachers. It got them into a lot of trouble with the Jews because faith had always been part of the the Jewish belief. It was it was faith in Jehovah and faith. Meaning that we will keep the Torah, 
or we will keep the, the law, and that is what saves us. But what Paul taught and what the, the, the church taught, what Jesus taught, was that this faith, what you used to look at as the works of the, of the law as saving you, now that Jesus Christ came as Messiah, He has fulfilled the law, and faith is no longer in the works of the law, but now it's in Jesus Christ. We simply look to Jesus, that Jesus is the one who we put our faith in. Jesus is the one who we look to for our salvation. And this is, this is getting right to the covenantal relational faith, that it is, it is a, a faith in who? It's faith in Jesus. It's not faith in our works. It's not faith in anything that we can do. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not faith in, in uh, you know, that I can look at my life and I can see that everything is going great. That everything is smooth sailing and so I must be alright. I'm not sick, so I must be in good standing with God. That would have been a Jewish look at faith. When they looked at, at sickness, when they looked at sickness, it had long been the belief uh, that, that sickness was tied to God's judgment or, uh, or at least some, kind, some type of uh, judgment, maybe not on you, but at as, as some point in your, in your lineage that there was, uh, there was some sin that caused the sickness or your, um, your disability that you were born with. Those who were sick or those who were disabled, they weren't allowed to come into the temple and worship. They were outcasts. And that was, that was part of the law. You couldn't go and you couldn't sacrifice some crippled animal. Uh, you couldn't take that to the, to the tabernacle and, and have that. You had, to, you had to bring your best animal to the temple to sacrifice. You had to bring your best, best one. And you couldn't be the one who was, you know, barely, he was just limping along. And the same thing was true with the humans, with, with the people. If you were crippled and you were sick, then you were unclean. You weren't allowed by law, by Mosaic law, or by, by God's law, you weren't allowed to go into the temple. You were in a complete outcast. In fact, if the, the only way that those, that those people could go in is if they were healed somehow. But healing didn't happen very often. You had, on very few occasions, it was, it was mostly a, mostly a uh, uh, just people who were uh, disabled, and people who were sick, that they were just, they, you know, they, they, they were separated from society. And along would come every once in a while a king or a prophet who God would use and would restore people and heal them. We see Moses. God used Moses, and he healed people from sickness. He, uh, God used Elijah and Elisha, and he, he would heal people. Uh, they would heal people in their ministry. God used them in that, in that way. Uh, if we come all the way to the time of Jesus, the, the common belief at that time uh, amongst the Jews was that healing had pretty much ceased. There were a few outcasts on, on the, the brim of so, the Jewish society that they were looked at as, as healers. We see, if, if you, um, if, 
we see a couple of, of men who are mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, that would have been written around that time. Uh, a couple of men. There's one, I don't remember his, his actual name, but he was referred to as the Rainmaker. And he, uh, he would, you know, evidently was known for some of his miracles and healings. There was another man who uh, at one time apparently had prayed for somebody to be healed and, and they were healed from a distance. And so they were looked at as, as, as those men, but they were on the outcast. I mean, they, they were not accepted in the Jewish society for the most part. Because for them, it was if you are sick or if you are, uh, if you are ill, if you are disabled, then you are not in covenant relationship with God. Your faith is, is broken. You don't have an opportunity to come in and to be whole and in covenant relationship because of that, uh, because of that brokenness. But, but when Paul comes in or when, uh, when Jesus comes in, he says, I'm, I am changing the terms here. It's not faith in law. It's not your trust in the works and law and seeing what your physical situation is. It is simply faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came and he died so that we could be healed. Jesus, he he bore the stripes so that we could be healed. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, 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 was, he was broken and he was, he was beaten. And all of that was so that we could have healing today. And so it's, it completely flipped things on its head as far as what the covenant and relational faith look like. It's no longer something that is simply about a a faith in the law, but now it's faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the covenant relationship is all about. And it's not determined by, or we can't, we can't tell by looking at our physical situation, whether or not you're in covenant relationship. Amen. How does Paul put faith in practice when we see this in a cognitive sense, or the, we see this in the healing or the miracle working uh, faith, this, this extra um, measure of faith uh, that, that he might have had at different times in his in his ministry, we see we see Paul throughout his ministry that there was healing that took place. There was a supernatural work of God that took place in Paul's ministry, and I want to look at some of these circumstances, some of these occasions. So Acts chapter fourteen. Last week we left off right here at Acts chapter 14, the very beginning of this. And now he's going into this city of Lystra. And it says that there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, never walked. That man, he heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceived that he had faith. So Paul looks at him and he says, this man has faith to be healed. So Paul says with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Now that takes faith on both, of their, both ends of that. Paul recognized the faith of this man who was, laying, who, was, who was laying there crippled. But Paul had enough faith to look at him and say, get up from your situation, stand up and walk. And he was immediately healed. He had faith in his mind. He spoke it out. And we see the supernatural work of God that took place. Acts chapter 16. 
We see faith in action here. It came to pass as we went in, as we went to prayer that a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought our masters much gain by soothsaying. And the same, she followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Well, it seems like a good thing, but she was mocking. She was saying all this in a mocking sense. Verse 18, And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Amen. He speaks in faith. He he believed in God enough to speak directly to the spirit that was in her. And because of his faith, because he believed that it would be done and believed that in the, that Jesus Christ had power over whatever spirit was in her, we see the evil spirit was cast out of this girl. Just after that, just after that, because of that, they were thrown into, they were thrown into prison, Paul and Silas, because... Uh, this man who was gaining wealth um, from this from this girl, uh, he got upset about that, and so they got thrown into prison. And let's see what happens as they were in prison. We know this story. In midnight, Paul and Silas they prayed, they sang praises to God. The prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bands. We're loosed. Amen. These were men of faith, men of prayer, men who they believed that God could do anything. I don't know what kind of songs they were singing. I don't know what prayers exactly they were praying. But God responded because these were men of faith. That they had enough faith in God. And they began to speak it out in song and in prayer. And God loosed them that very night. Well, there's somebody here tonight who you need to have some faith in this trial, the situation that you are in, and begin to speak it out. And we can see God. God still works the same way that he did for Paul. God still works today the same way that he did for them back then. Amen. Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. This is a practice that we still do, and it's kind of fully based on this passage right here. And there is... Nowhere else in Scripture that we see anything like this taking place. But Paul, it says that God wrought special miracles. There were, there were some special miracles that happened by the hands of Paul. Some things that they were unique. Things that you didn't see other people uh, doing these things that Paul was doing. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out of them. And he prayed for these pieces of cloth. And he, they sent them on their way. And because of the prayers over these cloths. And they came to those people that, that those prayers, these prayers of faith were activated. And God did a work, amen, because of the faith of this man Paul. There were multitudes that were healed through the use of these prayer cloths. We're talking about cognitive faith. We're talking about faith in my mind to say, God, you can do the impossible. 
God, you can, you can do something that has never been done before. But I believe that you, God, can work a miracle in this situation. And so I'm going to pray over this cloth. A sick person, they can't come to me. So let's pray over this. And we'll send it on its way. And let's just see what God can do. Amen. He had faith. He, this was a man. He was fueled by faith throughout his ministry. This, uh, this, this faith, it unlocked a lot of opportunities. This, this fact that he, he had cognitive faith, this, the faith that he had in God and that the things that God did because of his faith, it unlocked a lot of opportunities for ministry during his life. We see in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, uh, this long-winded preacher, Paul, says there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, and he was fallen into a deep sleep because Paul was long preaching. He fell asleep. And he wasn't apparently uh, sitting on the first floor, uh, the first floor level. And so he fell down from the third loft and he was taken up dead. But Paul went down and he fell on him. And embracing him, he said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. Continues. It says that when he therefore was come up again, he had broken bread and eaten, talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed, and they brought the young man alive. They were not a little comforted. In other words, they were a lot comforted. They saw what God did. They saw because the faith of Paul, this, this young man, this, this boy who fell out of the window as Paul was preaching, and he died there in that uh, died there as he fell onto the ground, and he went down and prayed for him, and he was restored back to life. We see in Acts chapter 28 how this is just after Paul had been shipwrecked one of these three times that he was shipwrecked and he ends up on this island of Malta and uh, they're sitting around a, a fire and out from the fire leaps this venomous snake or out from the, the, the wood that was there leaps this venomous snake and attaches itself to Paul. Uh, in fact, let's just read this here. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and he laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and it fastened on his hands. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. He's getting what he deserves. Now they would have thought this because this was a ship of prisoners on their way to Rome. And so this guy's getting what he deserves. He's a prisoner on his way to Rome right now. He's a murderer. This, this, this venomous snake is biting him. Though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. But what happens? What happens to him? He shook off the beast into the fire. He felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, and they saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds, and they said, Oh, he's a god. Obviously, that was not the case. But this is a man who walked by faith. This is a man who, who in faith, he just, a snake bites him, he shakes it off. God, I believe that you're on my side. God, I'm, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Lord, it, it doesn't matter. I, he was unharmed by this venomous snake. And then immediately after that, if we just continue into verse number 7, it says that in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, 
who received us and lodged us three days courteously. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in, and he prayed and laid his hands on him, and he healed the father of the chief man of the island. And so when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came, and they were healed. This is faith in action. Faith and action. Now the question is, as we, as we have been doing throughout this series, we see how Paul, how God uses this man who was converted from this life of Judaism, converted into this life where he is, he is uh, faithful to God. He is uh, very much of a, a changed man. But then how do we put this into practice in our life? How do we take what... Uh, Paul in his, his changed state, and how does this affect us? What, how does faith work in our life today? How does faith work? And, and all of this isn't necessarily going to come from the writings of Paul, but I want to look at five, five ways that we can look at how faith works in our life. The first thing, it must be a constant lifestyle, not just a life preserver. Faith can't just be something that's linked to our prayers and our time of distress. In other words, we must live in covenantal faith at all times. Remember, covenantal faith is that constancy in our walk with God, understanding that I'm in covenant with God, that I am in, in this relationship with God where I am, uh, where, where I am, obeying his word that he's laid out for me and so i'm not going to then be living in one way but then call on him in faith and and expect him to show up because i'm living outside of the covenant in fact let's hebrews 11 6 hebrews 11 6 says without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That God, he comes to those who diligently seek him. God comes to them uh, and, and, and it pleases him when we continue in this life of faith, in this walk of faith. See, covenantal faith, out of that should produce the cognitive faith within us. The fact that we walk with God and we have we walk in this faith. We walk in this covenant. Out of that should produce the fact that I have faith that that God that I serve, that I'm in a covenant relationship with, that he can come and he can do the impossible. It's out of my constant lifestyle, my constant faith walk, that then I have the ability to call on God from the faith in my mind to know that my God can do it. And he does it. So how does faith work? Number one, must be a lifestyle, not just a life preserver. Number two, it must be unashamedly vocalized. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10 says... But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is, 
the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That faith, it must be something that is confessed with your mouth. It must be something that you proclaim with your mouth, that you say it, that you vocalize this, that, that faith, it is something that, that, that God will come to your rescue. God can save you in your time of distress when you call out to him in faith, when you have it in your heart, but it says call out to him in your time of distress. Vocalize it. When God Amen. Is or when we are walking with God, we know. I mean, anybody ever been there? When you are are driving down the road, and all of a sudden somebody swerves into your lane, or a deer is there, and what do you call out? Call out the name of Jesus. Amen. You call out the name of Jesus. I've I have heard the stories. I haven't been in the. Uh, this situation, my, or I've been in, or seen this happen myself, but I've heard the stories of those who have called on the name of Jesus, and they they don't know how. But one instant they were on this side of the road, and with the car coming next or coming to them, it should have it should have smashed right into them. And yet they call the name of Jesus, and there they are driving down the road on the other side of that. They have no idea how it happened. We call on the name of Jesus; He is present when we need Him. We call that name in our time. God, he, he will come and He will save you from your time of distress when you vocalize, when you call His name in faith. Amen. Number three, how does faith work? It must be accompanied by action. James, we looked at, at James a couple months ago, uh, did a study of the book of James, and he has a lot to say about faith as well in his book that he writes, but uh, here it's in James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, faith and works tied together. Faith, if it hath not works, or if it doesn't, if it's not working, if it's not active, it's not active faith, if it's dead, and it's just alone, it's sitting there and it doesn't have a heartbeat, it's just lying dead on the table, if that's the kind of faith that you have, well, yea, man, yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Well, show me thy faith without thy works and I will show you my faith by my works. It says you can't separate these two things. You can't say, hey, here's my, you know, I'm a man that has faith. I'm a man that has works over here. You know, it, no, he says you show faith by the fact that it is active. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils, they also believe, they tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith, without works is dead. In other words, faith that is not active, faith that is not accompanied by action is dead. We must have action or we must uh, live our life believing or live our life with actions that back up the fact that I trust God, that God can do it, that I trust that God can make a way. How does faith work? It works by the fact that our behavior backs up that we backs up what we say we believe 
Number four, faith must disregard the obstacles. Faith must disregard the obstacles. And this is similar to what we read there in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, but we're going to go to Romans chapter 4. Paul, writing here, he says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body uh, now dead when he was about 100 years old. He's, he's writing of Abram here, Abraham, uh, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. <laughs> this, is, this is true faith. This is how faith works. That when it looks impossible, do you still believe that God can do it? When the situation that is before you seems as if it is insurmountable, do you still believe and have faith that God can perform that which He promised? When it looks as if there are too many obstacles in the way, do you still have faith? See, faith disregards the obstacles. For Abraham, it disregards the fact that I am 100 years old and I still have not had the child that God promised me. And that's quite a big obstacle to overcome. But I have, Abraham said, I still have faith that you're able to perform this, God, because you promised it. And I am a man of faith. I'm a man that is persuaded that what your word, when it goes forth, that it will come to pass. And so it doesn't matter the obstacles that are there. I will disregard them because I have faith. That's how faith works. Faith believes that God is simply able. Faith believes that the devil is not able to stop God's plan. Faith believes that when God speaks, that he backs up his word by action. Now, his timing is not always our timing. We sang the song just a little bit ago. He's in on time God. Come on. He's an on-time God. He may not come when you want Him. He may not come when you think the timing is right. He may not come in the moment when you thought that God was going to show up right then. And now, God, you didn't show up. But God says, oh, I'll be there right on time. You just wait. Now, sometimes we look back and we say, God, where were you at during all of that? And God says, hey, did you come through it? If you came through it, I was with you and I showed you that I am present through everything. It doesn't matter. Come on. Not everything does God make a way for us to escape it. But sometimes he makes a path right through it. But God is holding our hand the whole time. Brother Reuben? You know that. Sometimes we go through it. 
Sometimes we go through things and we don't understand. God, why do I have to go through this? But God says, have faith. I'm there. I will be there right on time. Just trust me. Well, when Israel, when they are at the Red Sea, and all of a sudden there's a great big obstacle that's there, and the army of Egypt is on their tracks, is coming their way. Oh, God, you got us in a pickle now. You set us free from Egypt and brought us out here so that we can just all die. That is what a lot of the Israelites believed. But Moses had faith. Moses looked to God in that moment and he said, All right, God, you've got to show up right now because you told me and you promised me that we would be set free. And it's not to be set free just for a moment. And so he turns to God and God says, Take your staff, hold it up. And when he did that, the water split and God made a way. Amen. We can disregard the obstacles that come our way because God will be there right on time. Praise God. That's how faith works. That's how faith works. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hey, let's just stop there just for a moment. I want to pray. Just want to just, just pause there just before we go to this last thing. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would just help those right now who are facing situations. They are facing things, Lord, that it, it feels too heavy and it feels as if, Lord, there are things, God, that are that they cannot make it through. But I pray right now, Lord, that you would show yourself strong in the midst of their situation. Lord, help us right now, God, to know, God, that you are there, God, that you will show up, God, when the, when it gets too tough or when it gets to the point where, where you need to step in, Lord, you are faithful and you will do so. Lord, I pray that you will help us to continue to keep the faith God, continue to keep the faith and believe right now, God, that you have this under control. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The last thing, the last thing about faith is that it will not operate effectively when doubt is present. Jesus speaks on this subject. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, it says, for verily I say to you that whatsoever or whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall no doubt in his heart, or, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. Praise God. Jesus said, do not doubt. If you have faith that I can perform that which I have promised, then do not doubt it. it faith, it will not operate effectively when doubt is present. We're talking about faith that when we call on God that He is present, that He can perform it. Amen. Do not doubt. Mark chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. The last scriptures here. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and he healed them. This is Jesus. This is God manifested flesh. 
And we see he did a few miracles. He healed a couple of people in his home country, but there was a lack of faith. And because of the lack of faith, there was not much that was done. God could have done so much more. Jesus, when he stepped into his home country, could have done so much more uh, and, and healed so many more people in that day, in that time. But there was doubt present, and so faith could not operate effectively when doubt was present. Amen. We must be fueled by faith. We must be a people of faith. We, we call ourselves apostolic Amen. This is New Life Apostolic Church, and that's because I believe that God is still working the same way right now as He did with the apostles back then, as He did with the first church, and as He did with the Apostle Paul. And if they, we see these kind of works and these kind of things that were happening then, they ought to be happening now. This kind of faith ought to be present right now in the church. And we still do see these things happening, but we ought to see them a whole lot more. And we need to have an increased level of faith. We need to continue to walk in our covenantal faith, in this relationship with God. Be steady. Let's hold steady in our walk with God. Let's walk in the faith, continue in the faith. And as we do that, let's pull down that faith that is present because we know who God is, because we're in covenant with Him and believe that God can do anything anything and speak it out and let's let it be done amen if you agree with that let's stand in this place amen i want to pray just one more time before we dismiss tonight that the lord would amen impart to us Amen. Some faith that he would build our faith tonight in Jesus name. Lord, we thank you, God, that we are a people of faith, Lord. And with that faith, God, I believe that you are still active, Lord. I believe that this year is still, Lord, a year of promises, a year of miracles. God, I believe that this is the end time revival. Lord, I pray that you would begin right now, Lord, to increase our faith. Lord, help us, God, if we are wavering in our walk with you, if we are wavering, God, in this covenant relationship, Lord, then help us to get back on track and to, to hold steady, to hold firm, God, in, our, in, this, in this relationship with you, Lord, so that we could begin to see some things unlock in the supernatural, God, and to pave a way, Lord, for you, Lord, to do a work in this end-time hour, God, through your church. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, God, we pray and we ask, God, that you, Lord, would show yourself strong in this body, in this church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, church. Amen. We will see you on Sunday. Amen. God willing. Amen. I don't think we have enough snow or anything coming. Amen. This weekend. God bless. We will see you on Sunday.